The Medical College of Wisconsin Office of Student Health and Wellness presents Well, 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 where each episode a very special guest and I discuss what it means to be well in the world of health science education. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Well, Well, Well. I've been excited to record this next installment of our Failure Share series. Our special guest for this episode is Dr. Sandra Pfister. She's currently a professor in the Department of Pharmacology and Toxicology at MCW. She graduated with a BS in Biology from St. Mary's University in San Antonio, Texas, and received her PhD in Cardiovascular Pharmacology from the UT Health Science Center in San Antonio. Dr. Fister's primary research interest involves the regulation of vascular tone by mediators released from the endothelium of blood vessels. In recent studies, she has made important advancements showing the role of estrogen as a regulator of vascular responses in the pulmonary system. This work has direct implications in understanding mechanisms that contribute to the increased incidence of pulmonary arterial hypertension in women compared to men. In addition to her research, Dr. Fister has taught pharmacology to both medical and graduate students for over 25 years. She's currently the course director for the M1 Principles of Drug Action and M2 Cardiovascular Unit, and she's looking forward to being the CV Block Director in the new MCW Fusion Curriculum. I hope that you all enjoy this episode. Be well. Thank you, Dr. Fister, for being here. I so appreciate it. Um, I usually start with the same icebreaker for everyone. What's one way that you've been promoting your wellness or taking care of yourself recently? Well, this might seem a bit indulgent, but um, I think it's been kind of a fun thing that I've actually been doing with my entire family. And we all got Apple Watches. And so we're all connected and uh, we are watch, you're, we're keeping track of when we work out and how much activity that we're all getting. And it's not at all competitive. I mean, we're not like saying, oh, Patrick ran further and farther than me, but it's just a way to say, hey, great job. And the, the watch actually gives you a way to um, like even send silly messages when someone's done a a workout like oh you're a rock star and um it's really helped it's been really fun and you know my kids are all over the country so it's kind of a way for us to to feel connected and you know we'll we'll see how it works if it really does keep us all motivated and, and working out but it's definitely been a really fun thing that we've just done in the it's been really just the last month that we've been doing this I love that and I have an apple watch I didn't realize though that you could see other people's um data I guess and you can actually respond to it yeah I don't know if it's a newer version um, but definitely yeah you can you can see their fitness it's like the their fitness activity you can you have to ask them if they want to share it right but you know and we all agreed to share so it's fun that is Um, very cool I love that and I'm glad to hear like you said it doesn't really feel competitive it's just like this fun sort of way to stay connected something a little bit different than probably the usual you know usual way we stay connected with each other and it obviously promotes wellness so I think that's awesome yeah it's been a good thing I mean we laugh because my son is a bit more competitive and he's just (laughs) 20 workouts a day compared to the rest of us, oh but that gosh. makes us all laugh too. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> so Dr. Fister is here participating in our Failure Shares series. She is so graciously going to share a failure story with us, what happened, how she responded, what she's learned since then. So we kind of just dive right in, Dr. Fister. How did you fail? What happened? 
So first, this happened when I was a graduate student. And I, I have to say that it's not something I ever talked about. And maybe that'll come up as why I'm talking about it now as I, as I go through this, because I, I did really sort of hide this failure. Um, but, but I was a graduate student in pharmacology. I went to the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio. Um, um, our first year was primarily taking all the courses that the medical students took. So we took, um, except anatomy, but I took, um, you know, biochemistry, histology, microbiology. And the other big course that we took was physiology. And it was a sem second semester course. It was a nine hour credit course. So it was a huge course to, to be taking at that point. And I failed it. And, you know, failing in graduate school is actually a C and I made a C. And the other thing about graduate school is that in order to stay in graduate school, you have to be, um, you know, in good standing and you have to have a certain GPA and that GPA is really a B average. And so in order for me to really think about staying in graduate school, I needed to have at least nine hours of A to counteract that nine hour C class. And I didn't have that. I, you know, I hadn't done badly in my first semester or my second semester other courses, I, but I didn't have enough to, to hit that benchmark of a, a 3.0. Um, and, you know, that was pretty devastating. I mean, at that point, I was like, did I make the right decision to do to go to graduate school? You know, I want to be a pharmacologist. And how do you be a pharmacologist without like knowing the physiology of the body? And I remember lots of meetings in the department, like, what are we going to do with her? You know, how do we, you know, do we let her stay in the program? Do we not let her stay in the program? Um, and I, I, I'm sure there were faculty that were sitting there saying, eh, we probably, she was a risk. We shouldn't have taken her. And so, so it was tough. It was a really hard time. And I, and I must admit, again, I, I did really feel like I, I had failed. I'd never failed a course before in school. Right. So this was really a big deal to me. And so before you got down to business and sort of like, how do we move forward? How do I, how do I solve this? What was like the emotional process for you related to that? Again, I think if, you know, that's sort of that word failure. I mean, I felt devastated. I, again, I right. doubted myself and, you know, sure. I, what, should I be here? Um, you know, um, who do I reach out to? I mean, it was, I was in school in a place separate from where my family was, though I had gone to undergrad in San Antonio. So I had friends there, but it wasn't a thing that you could easily talk about with other people because unless you're kind of going through that, it's very difficult. And, um, and, and even in that short time of being just a first year student, I don't feel like I'd made a lot of connections with other students. There was only one other student that came in with me at that time. And, um, she was not around a lot. So I really did feel isolated. And so I felt isolated. I felt sad. I felt like, again, everything I wanted to do with my life at that point. Right, right. Very overwhelming, for sure. So I guess then, what did you do next? Like, how did you troubleshoot? You're, you're sitting there with that failure. What was sort of the next steps that you took to, to move forward? So I'm not sure that I had as much control on the next steps. And sometimes we sure. don't always have the most control. But what 
as I was sort of said, you know, there was, there were departmental meetings, right? Like, what do we do with this graduate student? And I, I, I was lucky because there was a new faculty member in the department who was willing to take me on as his student and, and actually get me through this. So gave me the opportunity to say, you know, are you, you know, can you succeed? You know, can we get you through this? Um, and, you know, I'll, I want you to work in my lab and, you know, I'll never know really what he actually saw in me that made him go, yeah, let's give her a chance. Um, but he was a brand new faculty member too and never had a graduate student. So perhaps just uh, maybe, maybe there was something in his past that he had struggled and he saw an opportunity to help me. But, um, um, but you know, if it hadn't, I don't, I don't know what I would have done because right. I, you know, I was able to say, okay, you know, and that was, there was a lot of pride to swallow there, right? Because I was starting over basically. And, um, I was a first year student all over again. And, you know, and I know that some of, you know, we have students that struggle with that too. And it's, it can be very difficult to go back into, uh, you know, a new class when your, your classmates, move on. I was probably lucky because the person that came in with me actually dropped out. So I would have been the only graduate student in the second year because programs are so much smaller than they are um, probably today. We don't, you don't always have as that many graduate students in a program. But the sure. great part, part, part about it was, is that so, so we made a plan, right? The plan was I had to take courses and get A's. And so we looked at the schedules and we thought about what could I take and things that would be, you know, crazy hard to do but enough that I could you know probably do well enough and if I and then that would counteract that C and then I had to retake physiology so I had to take the course all over again which um, was probably a good thing I needed to learn physiology I needed to to feel confident in it so you know I was taking it all over again but I do think the worst positives of it you know because there was a new class that came in and I have to admit they were a great bunch they were three people that came in in the next year and they welcomed me wholeheartedly. I wasn't the repeat first year student. I was just another student and um, we became close friends. We could study together. We could, you know, um, you know, struggle together. And, you know, there's still, there's still people I connect with today, you know, even though we all went very different paths after graduate school. Very cool. I will say that it's a bit of a theme from some previous failure shares too, is this idea that you were sharing about that new faculty member who showed compassion and was there to help you through this process and sort of give you a chance. And um, we've had that in other failure shares too, like this idea of there at least being one person, you know, who's willing to just go that little extra bit or show compassion that can make such a difference, you know, after we've experienced something like this. Yeah, I think it's yeah, really cool. Yeah. I, th- I'm I, yeah, really grateful for that. I do think though that it didn't always alleviate every fear that I had going forward because, you know, I think once you've made, you know, every other faculty member knew that I'd failed physiology. Right. And so mm-hmm. I always felt like when I, you know, was doing anything, someone was looking to see if I was going to mess up again, which is also hard. Um, mm-hmm. And so having the support of that one faculty member and, 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 and not messing up again, you know, not being perfect, but not, you know, um, certainly not, you know, failing another course and, 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 and being enthusiastic about the work I was doing and, and showing that I 
could do this was really important. And that was on me. I had to do that. It wasn't on them. It was on me to do that. When you retook physiology, did you approach it any differently? Like, did you change anything about your approach to the course? Um, I think I tried to, I, I definitely wanted to be more connected to other students. And so again, I think I mentioned there were, uh, you know, there were three others that were also taking the course. So we were good about having, you know, study time together. Um, it was a hard course the way it was offered um, in those days, because not only did we take the medical school exam, so the typical medical school physiology exam on, you know, Friday morning, but then in the afternoon, we had to take a graduate student focused exam. So we did the multiple choice exam. And then in the afternoon, we did like the uh, long answer, let's think through this more type of exam, which was very hard and, and, and tiring. And so, but I'd learned a little bit about how to do that because I'd messed up already the year before. So I was probably a little more prepared for that. So it wasn't quite a shock. I think, I think though, I mean, in, to really answer your question, I just needed to focus, right? I think we all, um, you know, that's part of school is learning how to learn. And I was, you know, I probably had had a, more of the way I'd maybe learned in undergrad. And so this was different and being in a medical school class. So um, I, I had to, I started to retrain myself, but, you know, staying on top of it was really important, I think. Yeah, that's definitely, that's not been an uncommon topic um, with students is this idea of relearning to learn as you were sharing, like, it's just such a different environment than most of them are used to or that they've been in the past and everyone kind of figuring out on their own um, how to, how to learn, how to study, how to approach the, this coursework. Right. And what, what might work for me might not work for you and it may right. not work every time. Right. Yeah. But, we, but, you know, you sort, you start to, to find who you are. I, I also remember another story and this is kind of actually is another failure story, but not a course failure, but it might be interesting to tidbit is that sure. my very first um, class as an undergrad in bio, uh, my biology course um, that I took as an undergrad, the very first exam, I didn't do very well on. I don't think I failed it, but I did much less well than I ever thought I would have done. And I and I I totally approached it the wrong way. I remember I felt like I was well prepared and had studied and then I came across a group of students that were in my dorm and they were like, "Oh yeah, we're going to stay up all night and study for this biology exam." And in my mind, I had never in my life stayed up all night to study for an exam, but I saw these students and I felt that, "Oh my gosh, I better stay up all night too." And so I joined them, spent all night studying with them for this first exam um the next morning I never even drank coffee in my life but that next morning I'm like I have to have coffee you know how did I think we drank coffee through the night to stay up and I was still drinking coffee that I'd never drank before in my life and and then went into the exam and did not so well and um and in fact, when the when the professor it was a huge class, like 200 students maybe in it. And when the when he gave back the exams, I mean, he he made a he did a terrible thing that I hope I never will do in a class. But he got up in front of everyone and said, you know, this is your first exam. And some of you should probably rethink your career choices, because if you didn't do well, then this is probably not where, you know, you need to be. And 
I saw my score and went, oh, I guess I shouldn't be here. I should go to a different school. I remember being really devastated by that one. And it may have just been a C for all I know. I can't remember. But feeling just very, like, heartbroken then, too, that I and, and having somebody of authority like that, my professor saying, you know, rethink your thoughts this probably isn't where you want to be and I did I remember I did start doubting myself again and then you know I don't know what what inspired me to but I you know I knew there'd be another exam and I just said you know what I'm going to study the way I've always studied I'm not staying up all night I'm going to do what I normally do and I did really well on the next exam and I think I ended up making an A in the class so so you know it was kind of that idea that you know you try something and it doesn't work I definitely tried the all-nighter and that did not work for me so well and I think such an important story too because it makes me think about how tempting it is to compare yourself to others in, in a lot of different ways, right? But I've heard students mention, you know, noticing the way that people study and, right, as you said, it's, it's just so individual and to, even if you see a large group of students doing it one way, it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that that works for you. So, yes, important well, message and, there. <laughs> and I have heard students, you know, if, you know, so, may, so maybe sort of following through because I, you know, I sort of have said that, you know, I never talked about this. I yeah. never, never told anybody that I failed physiology and I had to repeat my first year of graduate school. Never talked about it. I mean, obviously it was probably on my transcript somewhere and people could see it, but it was sure. not something I would have ever admitted to anyone. I don't know, even, I don't even know if I ever even told my significant other, you know, it was like, it was not something I talked about or even, I don't even know if my own kids know that now when I think about it, but um but I think as I progressed in my own career and I started to mentor graduate students and, and, and teach more in the med- for medical students, I started to see the value in being able to talk about it, right? And being able to say when a student is struggling, well, hey, look, I struggled and I struggled really bad and I actually figured it out and you know, look where I am today. So as I got better at being able to talk about it, I think that's that was really an important piece of all of this was actually being able to start, you know, talking about this. And um, and I think related back to what you were sort of saying, so, you know, now when I do talk to students and sometimes I'll say to them, well, do you study, do you get in a group and study? And, they'll, and they're like, no, I don't, I don't like that. And, and it reminded me also often of group studying is that that's where you can sometimes feel again, like you don't belong there, right? Because you hear there are always somebody in that group that's seems to know more than you know, and that can be really hard. And, you know, that was kind of what the all nighter thing did to me. It was like, these people know more than me, and yet they're still going to stay up all night, and I better be right there with them. And, you know, I think you're right. It's the individual part of this that you have to figure out what works for you and, and not. And, and, and so I don't tell every student, well, find a group to study with, because that may not work for them. Right. I know like throughout this conversation, there's been a couple of like takeaways, right, for for students. But if there's sort of like one message that you want MCW students to remember about failure, what would it be? One message. I mean, yeah. I kind of had three things in my head yeah. that I would want to tell them. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like, you know, share all three. <laughs> I feel like, you know, um, for sure. um you fail when you stop trying. So I actually don't think I failed. I just, if I had stopped trying and never gone 
and done the things I needed to do to succeed and not retaken the course and done all that, then I think I could say maybe I failed because then I wouldn't have tried. So that that's an important thing. So never stop trying. Um, that, and then I think the other, the other thing too is um, we all can control what we do. We can't always control the outcome. So, you know, maybe it was, you know, again, how I approach the class, how I study for it, you know, if I, if I could take that on and do it just like anything in life, you know, even the, doing the experiment in the lab, it's my, it's my thought process that goes through it. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if I'm going to get the data I expect. I can't control that outcome, but I can do my best to do the right experiments and the, have all the right controls and everything that's necessary. Um, and it may go completely opposite than what I thought, but that's just the way things work. And um, so I think, you know, having, Having, knowing that you're in control is important in all of this. Um, and then I think the other thing I felt like is that it's okay to feel hurt when you mess up yeah. or when you feel like things don't go well. I mean, it's, I think we, we, you mentioned that, that sort of, you know, how did you feel? I mean, I did feel bad. I felt it, it was hurtful and it was, you know, I needed to, to let myself feel that because I think that's an important part of of this whole process too because if you ignore it i think then you don't know how to go forward so much i think having having feeling a little bit of the sadness and, and letting yourself have that is important too so yeah i really love that last message because i often remind people you know no one is exempt from the experience of failure like it's sort of inevitable in life and then no one is also exempt from any emotional response, right? Like there will be <laughs> the emotions to follow and that's just your, your humanness, um, your realness. And it's, yeah, it's absolutely important to acknowledge it and it's okay. It's okay to not feel okay all the time. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I, you know, I don't know if, if, if there's time to mention this, but I, I yeah. may have mentioned this to you before, but there was actually a, a, um, a neuroscience study because as a scientist, right, you like to look at data and know that, um, you know, there's science behind a lot of what we do. And, and it was actually a study um, where they looked at brain activity of an individual. So they put them in an fMRI type machine where they could measure what areas of, of the brain would light up under certain tasks. And the, the task was actually a sort of simulation of three like two stick figures and yourself would be the third person in this throwing a ball to each other. And you could control, you had a way to control who got the ball. So taking turns, right? Like I'm going to throw the ball to you. And the next time I'm going to, you're going to throw it back to me and then we're going to throw it to the next person. So a real case of, of sharing the ball and, and playing nicely, I guess. Well, what happened in this experiment from the other side of it, the people controlling really all of it is they, they worked it so that you, the person in the fMRI machine, can now no longer throw the ball or no longer get the ball thrown to you. So you also can no longer throw it back to anyone because they stop throwing it to you. You become like you get rejected. Let's put it this way. You get um, to be not part of the game and not feel like you belong, which is, I think, what happens when when we do fail. And and what was really interesting in the study is that when when the person um, when they looked at the brain activity, the areas of the brain that light up are the same areas that light up when you have true physical pain. So if you break your arm or you are have a you know any other sort of 
headache type pain, those areas that light up that are showing pain pathways being activated are the same ones that light up when you feel like you've been rejected. And so that just said to me, wow, this is, it's real. So Mm -hmm. that hurt that you feel when you feel rejected, whether it's because you, you know, didn't get the job you wanted or didn't get that grant or, you know, failed an exam that you thought you did well on. It's, those are real feelings. And so I say, let yourself have them. They're, they're real. They're, there's, there's science behind them. (laughs) Right. Right. Yes. So Dr. Fister, if students are so inspired by this conversation and they'd like to, to chat with you, how can students reach you? Um, certainly email is probably the okay. best way to get hold of me. Um, you know, if, they, if you see me, if you know me and you see me in the hall, feel free to come up to me. Uh, I'm more than happy to, to speak to people um, in person too. So, and we can, uh, but an email is probably the best way to get hold of me. Perfect. And I will put your email on the show notes so students have access to that. And again, I so appreciate you for being here. I know you've shared that this is a story you haven't really shared before. So I'm so honored that you've done it on the Well, Well, Well podcast. I'm sure the learners are going to appreciate it as well, all the listeners. So just thank you so much, Dr. Fister. Thank you, Carrie. I think what you do is wonderful, too. This is just a great way to, you know, I think help reach everyone when we can't always be reaching people these days. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Well, Well, Well. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any thoughts or ideas for the podcast, or you might feel passionate about a wellness topic you'd love to chat about as a very special guest, never hesitate to reach out to me on my MCW email. I leave it in the show notes. And we want this podcast to really be meaningful and valuable to you, our listeners. Thanks, everyone, and be well. Mm-hmm.